Nick Rich's mountain biking show. Okay, ladies and gents, it is Rich's Mountain Bike Show, and I've got a, a real treat for this episode. This is episode 12, and I'm going to be chatting with Ashley Carelock. Ashley is a model and adventure cyclist from Colorado who competes, uh, and more often than not wins, some of the most challenging cycling events in the world. I got introduced to Ashley via my friend Kevin Wren at Wren Sports, because uh, Ashley's got the Wren Perseverance Adventure Bars on her bikepacking setup. Uh, and I'm just, she's, she's, you're hearing this, hearing this audio, I can see Ashley. She's already grimacing. She's worked out, I'm just going to talk about Ren and do it as a sales pitch several times. But can I just say, hello, Ashley, how are you getting on? Hi, um, I'm happy. <laughs> you're, you're happy. Um, and, and I've got to say, I, I was introduced to via Kevin, and I've been checking out. So your Instagram is at ashcarelock. I'm going to put a link okay. in the description, and your website is a, bi a bicycleaddiction.com. That's right. Yeah. That, that's right. So, hey, look, I want to I want to find out about. Um, the, the, I was reading your website, and I've got to say, you write beautifully. Your blogs are so engaging. I was really quite taken with them, and and um, and as someone who writes professionally with my PR hat on, I was really really sort of blown away by how you managed to make stuff come alive. Um, but my first question, my first question to you is, you, you only started cycling fairly, fairly recently. And then there's a lovely bit in your website where you say, so you decided to do a race and it was a 10-hour fat bike race. I mean, what was going yeah. through your head? Most people start with a gentle warm-up, maybe a race around the block or something. What, tell me about it. <laughs> you know, um, I have... I have an enormous amount of energy. Um, before I was riding bikes, I was running like 70 miles a week or something crazy. And when I discovered cycling, I just really fell in love with it. Um, and I saw, I think I might've signed up like a week before the start of the Silverton Whiteout. And I saw there was this fat bike race and it was 10 hours. And I was working at the bicycle shop at the time and the guys were doing like a duo and they said, oh, we'll just join our team. And I thought, I want to, I want to do it by myself. I didn't even have a fat bike. <laughs> and so I ended up borrowing this surly Moonlander that was way too big for me. And I raced, I raced it on the Moonlander and ended up winning the solo. And I think I actually got second overall. Travis Brown won it and I was second. Wow. And that's when I kind of went, oh, you know, maybe I got something here. <laughs> And I just loved I mean, it. it. Like I was out just smiling. <laughs> so were you were you a road? I mean, I think this. I think it's hilarious that that you know talk about sort of not working your way into something. I mean, a fat bike. I, I absolutely adore fat bikes. I, I ride one almost exclusively. Oh my gosh, so fun! <laughs> Do you know what you you absolutely summed it up? There was something you put. I read. I read. There was something you wrote about uh, fat bikes, I and mean, it was a great quote. And it's sort of like it takes you back to just being a big kid again when you ride a fat bike oh, yeah. and it's true, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, I don't know. I just can't like, how can you not be smiling? Especially when you're actually riding it on that snowpack and just, there's some, there's just something about it that just kind of like right in the pleasure, like kid pleasure spot or something. I don't know. I just really love it. I gotta say, I'm hugely jealous because you're in Colorado, aren't you? And you get proper yeah. seasons. I mean, we we get we get like an inch and a half of snow every four years here, <laughs> and and it just oh, I watch you guys, and some of the terrain is is just amazing. So so what what's your general ride? What what are you what are you when you're not when you're at home? What do you tend to ride? Probably the trail donkey, my my uh, gravel bike, because we have. So I live way in the southwest corner of Colorado, the Four Corners region, really. It's very rural. I have a small farm. Um, and we have tons of gravel roads to just, it's, it's really quite beautiful, actually, the amount of gravel roads that we have. And I can go from my house and end up in the summertime at a mountain pass at almost 11,000 feet on my gravel bike. Wow. Um, okay. it, it's, yeah, it's a I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed to be where I'm at. It's a cycling mecca. 
It, it is, and I suppose <laughs> you get proper winters as well, don't you? Hence the fat bike. You do get a decent amount of snow, and we do, we do. You know, the good, the good thing, really, about I'm outside of Cortez, is that the winters aren't too harsh where I am. So sometimes I can be ripping my mountain bike at Phil's World, which is a really fun trail, in January, but. I can drive, you know, up to Rico or Telluride and get on some groomed fat bike trails. So it's just, or actually we groom the trails here and, and if we get enough snow um, in Dolores, they groom trails and it's just super, I mean, it's super fun. It's, it's like the closest thing you can get to mountain biking on a, in the winter. And it's, it's like single track. I, I, I absolutely, everything about that I love. I am so jealous. I mean, I, I now ride my, my fat bike and I've got a full suspension fat bike because my, my, I'm so old and decrepit and I keep falling off that, um, I, you know, without that suspension, I'd, I'd break into a million pieces. And I ride it on our mountain bike trails and our bike parks now because it's just hilarious. Yeah. yeah, they're just fun. It's, it's extra just... suspension. You know, you're, 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 you've got those big tires, you slow out some air and you're just kind of... You know, it's like another, it's like another suspension. You don't, I mean. I, I, I love the fact, yeah. and again, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. They're just a bit silly. And after all, we're just <laughs> cycling. We're meant to be having fun. I think people forget that sometimes. Yes. yes. So, so, yes. so I'm, I was looking down on your website. I was looking down at the races. I mean, you've got a huge amount of variety in races. And I'm really particularly keen on, on this adventure, this bikepacking thing, because and I'm going to be completely honest with you. I can't imagine anything worse than 10 hours in the saddle, then an uncomfortable sleeping under a tent in a ah, oh, and then get, getting back on. So, so what, was, what, what, is, what is it about that, that type of racing that, that appeals to you? You know, I think it's, it's really kind of multifactorial. Um, First of all, it, it, it doesn't have to be fun to be fun. You know, it's like type two fun. <laughs> there's something about, <laughs> there's something about, I would say a lot of the bikepacking races, uh, the silk, you know, like the, the stuff that I've done before is, is type four fun or something, like it sucks, but it's, um, we don't get do to push ourselves. you see yourself as a competitor? Sorry to interrupt. Do you see yourself as quite interesting? Oh. Do, you, do you see yourself as a competitor or a cyclist? I'm both. But I mean, I'm, if, I'm you, extremely... if you couldn't compete or against yourself or others, would you still just cycle for the love of it? Or do you, what drives you? Is it the, is it the competition that drives you? It's both. I would still cycle for the love of it because I have so much energy and I got to do something with that energy. But it is the competition that I do love. And so it, it's like, as long as I can, I turn anything into a competition. It's just my personality. Yep. Um, you know, it's like I could have like, if it was only puzzles in our world, I would find a way to turn it into a competition, you know, it's like, who can do it fastest? Um, you know, but to, to what, to answer your question of, you know, why these ultras and why, why this, I think that in life we only have so many things that can push us beyond our limits and you really discover something about yourself when you are capable of, of, of pushing beyond that limit. You know, we live in, we live in comfort. I mean, I, we, most of, some of us, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of discomfort in this world. And, but for those of us who are lucky enough to, to especially those of us in the cycling industry, probably, um, yeah. you know, it's, we live in, in comfort. And I think that it's, it's, inspiring to see other people even out there pushing those limits of, of the human capacity that we can endure so much. I, I you know, it's one of my, my it's, I, I hope this comes across well. One of my favorite things to see is someone riding their bike who, who is perhaps massively overweight, but they're still doing it or a bit older oh. and still doing it. And you think, I just look at people like that. And I, I, I genuinely don't mean this to sound condescending. <laughs> like, and I think bloody well done. You've got, you've 100%. got, you know, somehow, somehow you've got into that lycra and you're not getting out easily yes. without a pair of scissors, but yes. you are out there doing it. I love that so much. So I actually was at single, uh, single speed 
cyclocross world championships this past weekend in Durango, just as a spectator. And there were like, you know, you had your, your upper people. And then you had these, some of these people that were, I mean, they were, they were morbidly obese. They were out there getting it done. And then these older people, I mean, it was just, I just loved it so much. Just getting people on bikes. It's healthy. It's fun. Do you know what it is? And I, and I think I kind, I kind of a little bit get where you're coming from because there's something about getting to the top of a climb, especially a relatively technical climb, and me on my fat bike or whatever else, and I get to the top and I may be just about to cough up a lung or, or you know, literally my, my heart rate's <laughs> topping out at 300. But if I'd done it, that sense of accomplishment, I absolutely yeah. adore. Um, yeah. so, so you've gone on the enduro ride. And what it sounds like is you quite like pushing yourself. Okay, you've got, you're, you're basically a golden retriever. You've got too much energy. You need something to yeah. chase or something to run down the road after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a doodle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what have you, yeah. I mean, before we get on the specifics of some of your rides, I mean, what, what do you think you've, what do you think you've found out about yourself? Because you've got a lot of hours on your own in the saddle. Have you had any major epiphanies about the person you are? Yeah. That's like a really deep I'm, question, isn't it? <laughs> it is a very deep question, actually, Richard. Um, I'm a very resilient person. You know, I've, I've, um, I've had some really kind of, I've had some very good luck in my, in my, my career as a cyclist, but I've also had some really shitty luck. Um, you know, I. Uh, Are we going to get onto the dogs? I was attacked by dogs in Chile. <laughs> I, I, do, you know, do you know what? Actually, let's let's um. So let's let's take that. Rest. So let's 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 step back a bit because I mean I read that without. I'll tell you what. The other thing that um, the reason I I, I kind of laugh at that story is because you wrote it up so so well on your on your blog and, and everyone listening to this please please go to the website. Um. So so talk to me through the human. race in Chile. <laughs> Talk me through the race in Chile uh, up until let's let's not focus on the dogs. What was what was how what was about the race? You know how are you getting on before the massive dog attack? Oh, I was I was an hours ahead of second place woman. Um, I was actually feeling pretty good that race. You know there wasn't anything, no mechanicals, no anything. And um, how long was the race, Ash? Um, about a thousand kilometers, a little over that, I think. Wow. Okay. And so I had, God, I had hit checkpoint three and I felt really good. And in fact, I think at that point I had worked my way up to like fifth overall. I mean, I was just doing, wow. it was a really good race. Yeah. Um, and so I thought I, the night before I had slept at a bus stop and didn't really get a lot of sleep. So I was like, well, I'm going to get this Airbnb and and just get, I mean, if it's three hours, it's three hours of quality sleep. And that's all I right. need, you know, three to four hours is, is quality is really what I want. And, um, and so, so yeah. And then I left at about 11 and got attacked by dogs and I, 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 I lost like an hour. If you can bear to relive it, talk, it's talk crazy. It because you wrote about it, uh, you know, I, I, and no one can see because they're listening to this podcast, you covering your face because I, I kind of don't want to make you go through this again. But uh, I mean, it's okay. <laughs> so there was you heard this, you heard this gentle yapping and I thought, oh, there's. A... <laughs> yeah, it was a pack of a man. I mean, it was I, I still have nightmares occasionally of, of having a dog, you know, chomp at my leg. And that's what happened. So I had one of them get me once and then it got me again and i think on the second nip you could like stick your pinky in the hole oh, <laughs> it was really there was a deep puncture wound and i remember when i finally went to the hospital the 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 doctor was like if this wasn't a dog bite i definitely stitched this one up but you don't stitch a dog bite <laughs> i mean you, you've glossed over it so you were still on the bike so basically you were trying to ride away from them while they were chasing did, did you have to stop or did they bite you while you were I feel like they I feel like me. I shouldn't be going down this path as a no, no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's a, it, it's honestly like it's good to talk about trauma. You know, it helps it helps work it out. So I'm I'm okay with it. Um, they came came at me real quick from behind and um, attacked me while I was riding. And I don't honestly, Richard, I do not remember how I got away. I mean, wow. it was literally like. Um, 
and this is this is a person who has a dog sitting business. Like I love dogs, you know. And I I, I don't even I don't remember. I honestly don't remember what happened, but I do know I ended up at one point stopping and I lost a good hour of time. I don't know what I did for that. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I guess I rode away. I, I must have yeah. ridden away or turned or something to distract them. I, I, I do think I remember trying to grab my water bottle to spray them in the face. Um, that might've been what I did. I, I like, but I, the last thing I remember was I'm standing underneath this street lamp and I'm thinking, you know, in my head, like, you need to, um, you need to take care of this wound, you know, infection, infection, infection. I'm not even thinking about rabies, which is stupid, but I, I just, all I had was, <laughs> um, some, some wipes and some hand sanitizer. And so I wiped it and I saw this huge chunk of skin, probably about a dime sized chunk of skin on the wound, which is bird-like hell, and around the wound. Wait, because I, I just didn't- I was, I was gonna say, what well, did you, did you <laughs> have like, any lemon at all? <laughs> it was crazy, it was so crazy. And then, I, and then I was like, suck it up, buttercup, keep riding. And so I did, and it, and it I, well, I, I, you know what? I texted the, I texted the, the race directors and said, "Hey, I was attacked by dogs, but I'd like to keep trying to go because I'm winning." <laughs> yeah. So I did. Yeah, I yeah. kept, I kept riding, and I remember getting hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold. I kept taking off my jacket, putting it back on, putting on my pants, taking him, you know, just like, I, I would stop every five minutes. I couldn't eat. You know, I was in shock. Uh, that's just that's a typical yeah. you know your body can only so i kept going you know and i they actually they did the across andy's had a video that i released on on my instagram page and the video is really good and it actually they catch me after that dog attack and i look <laughs> i look awful i think what? i stopped pretty close after that yeah i just couldn't i mean it was <laughs> I, I, lo I love the fact. I love the fact in your rise up, you sort of, you, you, what, what you've rather sort of courageously admitted that you were really pissed off that that had ruined your chances of winning, and you had to hand the. Did you award the prize? Did you? Yeah, to the to the, yeah. the lady who won it, and you know, a bittersweet. Yeah, that you know. was a. Yeah, that was really hard for me. I um, <laughs> they asked me, oh, we want you to go hand the award to the to the woman to Sonia, some amazing amazing girl. Yeah. She's strong. Sonia, who won it, and I was like, Are "You serious?" You know, just, it was hard. And and I I I I kind of in that essay I wrote up or in the blog that I wrote up, I I definitely kind of went through some of those feelings that I was having. You know, that's why I called it to be human because it's you can. I felt so childish and stupid that I. If, you know, first of all, it is just a cycling race and, and we do this to have fun, but it's important to me. And <laughs> I just, I went through all these feelings of just anger and jealousy and hurt and just pain. And in fact, after I went up on stage and gave her the, I don't know if I even admitted this, but I gave her the award, I had to take away, I was crying. I had to go and hide myself because I didn't want anyone to see that I was this upset. <laughs> But I think that's that's kind of this this winning or, or winning mentality or sports person's mentality, isn't it? That without that, you wouldn't have been anywhere near the podium for other races because you've either got that chip in your head, yeah. you've either got that driving force, or you haven't. I, I must say, I find it fascinating. Yeah. Some of the bits you um, there was a wonderful bit you wrote, and it might even have been in the same blog about. The um, the mantra that you say, uh, and we're we're really I tell you what one of the one of the wonderful things about UK mountain biking is there's been a real a real growth over the last couple of years in women getting into into mountain biking in the UK. There are a lot of bike parks that have women only days. There are lots of in my local bike um, centre. There are which is a great forest, Forest of Dean. 
there are lots of um, instructions and courses that are women only because it's a, a nicer environment for them. And these are massively oversubscribed, and I, and I absolutely love it. And, and you had a mantra in that you wrote about that when you're going along, and for hours and hours, you're, you're, you're on your own, you're, your legs are going around, your legs must be aching. And can you remember what the mantra was? It was about being a strong woman. I don't know whether I've scribbled it down somewhere. Yeah, no, I, it's in my mind all the time. It's, I, I think I put it on an Instagram blog because it kind of has to go with Atlas Mountain Race, really. And it's, you know, I am a woman. I am strong, I am capable, and I am beautiful. And I say it three times always in my head, you know, I'm a woman, I am strong, I'm capable, I'm beautiful. I'm a woman, I'm strong, I'm capable, I'm beautiful. And the third time, I am a woman, I'm very strong, I am extremely capable, and my beauty comes from within. And so I always say, <laughs> it's stupid, really, but I think, like, you know, when you're out there alone, you, you know, pedaling or when you come across something that's hard, especially if it's mountain biking, you know, there's a lot of, it can be very empowering to, to get over those obstacles or to, you know, get through something. It doesn't matter what it is. And it helps to have a mantra, I think. Well, well I think, and also everything about that, every word you're using there is, is a positive one. It's not don't fail. Don't it's, 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 yeah. It's a mantra about success, and it's a mantra about positive things, isn't it? It's not mostly when I'm going down a mountain bike trail. The overriding thought in my head is, "Please don't die." You know that that's that's largely <laughs> that, that's try not to die, which which might be while you're while you're a champion. It might be while you're a champion, and I usually end up. I I, I ride my bike to to meet women, and it's almost always nurses. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're always looking at me with such a level of pity. It really goes no further. But, um, so, so the Chile, the, the race in Chile was was hugely disappointing. So then, talk to me about the other one. Most recently was the Atlas Mountain. Now, I, I've I've ridden I've ridden for eight days in the Atlas Mountains, and it's oh, it's it, so it's, beautiful. It's a rugged landscape. It's yeah. it's almost yeah. it's I, I, I sort of. You know, it's it's kind of weird. It's like stepping back in time almost. So, so talk us through that race. How how long a race? What was the structure of the Atlas race? Yeah, that's um the 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 thought that comes to my mind. You were talking kind of about like the ruggedness. It's unworldly. You know, it's like you're on Mars or something. Just about although, to say that. yeah, yeah. Although it there is in the Southwest, a lot of it looks like that. So for me. It was almost as if I was home, close to home, like Moab. It was like Moab light, you oh, know? Oh, wow, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I think I had a little bit of an advantage, actually, being from a dry, desert-ish environment. Um, I also have high altitude here that I could train at. But the Atlas Mountain Race was, um, it was a very hard one for me. Um, I wanted to win it. You know, I, and I, I was, um, I was actually in the end and, and I, it's, you know, people are going to think this is just so petty, I suppose, but I was disappointed in my performance. I wanted to be further in the general classification further up. Um, at one point I remember stopping at a restaurant and there was a, actually a UK gentleman there who I really, I really liked him. Uh, we had shared the road just a little bit. And uh, I said, he says, well, how are you feeling? I says, I'm feeling good. I'm starving. And I can talk about that. But, you know, I, I just would, I wish I was in the, I want to be in the top 20. And he goes, Ashley, have you seen the start list? The, the top 20 alone are some of the best ultra cyclists in the world. And I looked at him and I said, but I want to be the best in the world. <laughs> you know, just like, so, you know. <laughs> And, and whether I can be or not, I don't know. I can keep trying, but this was top twenty. It, it, this is top twenty men. You know, this is like all the overall <laughs> classification. The fact the fact that you'd blown apart the women's race was irrelevant to you because it was no, yes, because I believe that in, in ultras, because the mind is your most powerful weapon, that women are just as strong or stronger. You know, and in the end, I know I know I'll never be as physically strong as a man. I'm, it's okay. I'm, I, I get it. You know. I'd have to start doing testosterone or something, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, I mean, 
but I, but I want to try, <laughs> you know, I, I want to, I, I, I think that women are, I think, I always want to be an advocate for women. I think we are a, a, a strong, anyone who identifies themselves as a woman, we are strong, yeah. you know, and it's important to me. Um, and I, think, and I, I don't. Think, <laughs> well, I was going to say, one of the other Go things ahead. you, one of the other things you overcome, I think, I, you know, I think it's a great, great point. And the more, one of the reasons I was so keen to chat to you is, you know, I, I want, other people I chat to or, or, or women I know who mountain bike to go to, to listen to this or, or to go onto your webpage and then go, bloody hell. Not, not so much if she can do it, I can do it, but in so much as, do you know what? There's a woman there who just through determination, a positive mindset, this amazing mantra and a, and a will to win is out there doing it. And, and one of the other things I picked up on your, you know, I, I don't want to be too nice to you, obviously, because you get a big head, but you know, one, one of the other things. <laughs> yeah. It is was it on the the Moroccan bit where you you've got a food allergy and I thought when I was yeah. reading when I was reading I was thinking Jesus Christ talk about adding one problem on top of another you're doing this so so you're is it gluten intolerant is that right yeah I have a I have a I have a gluten allergy um pretty serious one you know like celiac type serious um <laughs> so, so you had to, I mean okay I'm reading I I, I don't want to Spoiler alert, so, go on. Okay, yes. Okay, so in in Morocco, there was gluten in everything. And I had these little cards made up explaining, you know, that I couldn't eat gluten and, and the Arabic word, the Berber word, the French word for gluten. I had them all memorized <laughs> um, so that I could look at it on a label and be, and I don't want to go too much into the detail of what happens to me, but let's just say... <laughs> I did end up after the race getting what I call contaminated, and um, <laughs> it's, I did some really long hikes, and I kept having to, you know, telling my guide, toilet, toilet, and it just, um, I lose weight, you know, I get these mouth sores, I get these, uh, but like, rashes on my knees and elbows, I itch, and uh, anyway, so during the race, I, when I got to Marrakesh, I found a grocery store and there was a lot of gluten-free stuff. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like chili. I'm going to find stuff to eat. You know, I can eat Cheetos. I can eat corn chips, Fritos. And um, as soon as I got on the race, all the little stores, all those little stores, every single snack food that I could find had gluten in it. Even the corn chips had the word for gluten in French. or And I knew it. And... Uh, it was, it was really frustrating because you're out there riding for 20 hours a day or pushing, let's be honest. And I'm burning so many calories. And the only thing that I could find to eat were the omelets, which are basically just fried egg, drinkable yogurts. Occasionally I could find some olives, some, some dates or some nuts, but even that was rare at some of the little places. So I had, um, oh God. So the first, the first two, two and a half days I had packed my favorite bar. They're called bar you eat and they're just oats, dates, nuts, and you know, spices or whatever. And I, and I packed other food like insure drinks that I like to drink. And so the first two days I was right on pace. I felt really good. And then as soon as I ran out of my bar you eat I cried for one thing because I knew I hadn't seen anything at the grocery stores and I'm, I'm literally I cry I mean like I knew what was coming and um, it, it it was just I would sit at the tables and order an omelet and all of the guys around me were eating the bread you know they were they were able to eat other things they were, and refueling. I they were refueling and I knew if I did, then I would be shitting all the time or, you know, it makes my energy levels drop. I mean, it, it, there's a there's a cost to if I do eat gluten. And, you know, what else could I do? So I, at one point, I remember I had an omelet and I would start to take them to go. And this was Jay, Jay Peterberry put it on, on Instagram. He's like, take those omelets to go. Explorers like, that's a good idea. 
but they were really gross in the back of my pocket because they kind of leave them kind of runny on the top. And so it was like, I'd like wrap it up and it'd be like in my back pocket, like Friday, you know, for you, you six are hours not or whatever. Sell, you are not selling this in as a new food. Yeah, food no, it was, it was not good. It was not good. And, and, and I'll tell you one thing. I haven't had fried eggs since. Like I, I'm on a, and I have chickens and my chickens, my ladies lay some good eggs, but I'm just like, oh, I can't. No, no, thanks. Um, <laughs> at one point. I had that omelet and the only thing at the next little store was a huge Coke and those drinkable yogurts. That was the only thing that I could find to eat. And I knew it was a long stretch section and I packed 10 of those drinkable yogurts, tried to like pack them in my bags. It wasn't enough calorie. Um, the next morning I woke up, I had, I had a little bit of chocolate too, some chocolate bar. I did find chocolate, but it's, chocolate's hard to stomach when it's all you got and it's like dark chocolate, you know, yeah. not like not milk. And I, um, I remember waking up and I was so dizzy. I was descending. I was going down a hill and I had to kept stop. I kept having to stop and lay down. And it I could, that's because it was, it was dangerous because you couldn't really concentrate on was, how oh. speed or, or control of the bike. And oh, it was crazy. It, it was crazy. And I could just like taste this taste in my mouth. Like I'm starving. This is like the, this is towards the end. I'm starving, you know. You're, you're really, you're really selling, you're really selling these events to me. I've got to tell you. <laughs> you know, you know. Earlier in the interview, when I said I can't imagine anything worse, you're really not helping. You are. You I know. Are, yeah. Well, you know, the, but uh, here's the thing. Like I kept telling myself, it's like my first ever ultra. You know, um, was the Colorado Trail Race. I had been mountain biking for like three years, and I look at. I tell everybody, I'm like, do you even do the Colorado Trail Race? And they're like, Ashley, you know, that's like the mo one of the most difficult ultras you can ever do. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, but it's home. And I also had never camped outside alone. I had been on two bikepacking trips. Um, and I ended up <laughs> on that one. I ran out of food between Buena Vista and Silverton. <laughs> and I remember starving and hearing voices, you know, like this old, like this man was like calling my name. I'm like way up, up in the middle of nowhere. And I kept hearing Ashley, Ashley. And I was like, oh shoot, what's that? And I just kind of turn up the, you know, volume on the headphones, keep pushing. But I, I made it through. I ended up by luck, the girl who was ahead of me ended up her like back wheel like exploded, but I still won and, and set a new course record, which was taken this year by Alexander Halchin, which is awesome. I like her. She's so cool. Um, but but it, this, it was sorry, just before, that before feeling you... of like overcoming. But, but that's, that's what's so, that's what's so amazing. <laughs> I mean, sorry, the, the sound went a bit, went a bit with him. I mean, what's so amazing is what you described with not finding the food, that would be really annoying and a little bit um, sort of, anxiety inducing if you were there on holiday but you knew you then had 10 or whatever hours in the saddle and you weren't you you must have known in your head you didn't have the fuel in your body that you that you needed to go on the next you know the next day's riding how how supported was it so was there a vehicle that could drop off bars or are you totally oh, no. on your own oh no you have to be on you have to do on your own it's ultra ultra rules apply you have to do it all on your own. You can't get outside help. You can't, you know, if you had somebody say like, oh, hey, you know, my wheel broke. Can I come and stay at your house tonight and, and fix fix my wheel? And then we'll go, no, that's even, that's not even allowed. Or, um, you know, hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm starving and, and I need some food. Can I have some food? You can, if I, at one point during that, what saved me was what we call trail fairies. Um, somebody just was out there and she saw me sitting on laying, let's be honest, on the side of the road and asked Still me like, oh my it. God, are you, yeah, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. And I can't ask, hey, can I have some food? But if they offer it to me, say, do you need anything? Can I give you this Snicker bar? Wow. I can say, okay. sure, thanks. <laughs> that's allowed, but you can't fish. You shouldn't. And, uh, and that's just, you know, obviously, I mean, I suppose if I, I did ask, nobody would know, but I 
I, I mean, I'm too honest. Like that's but still that, against that's, the rule. Yeah, that's the. I, I totally get that. That's you, the only person you'd be lying to is yourself in reality. You, uh, if, if you then went on and won, you would know in your head, in your mind, forever yes. that you, you didn't. Yeah, and that's more important. It's yeah, it's more so, important to me. Integrity. I mean, I the re the reason I sort of was so blown away with this because on your Instagram post you did a photo of I think there were there were three checkpoints there was a fourth checkpoint was basically the finish, and I thought oh that's quite clever you know that's quite cool or whatever and then I noticed there was like three days between checkpoints and I thought holy crap are you in the middle of nowhere I I know the Atlas Mountains i.e. how absolute Mars like remote some of those you know if something went horribly wrong. It's three days before you don't check in and anyone thinks to go, where the hell's Ashley? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, I guess you have the spot tracker. So okay. You so you have, you have, you have a mechanic, sorry, you have, you have some sort of device that they can kind of follow where you are. And yeah, so there's live tracking on them. And so they cool. can see, you know, where I am and, and where my competitors are um, throughout the race. So Do you know, by the way. Do you do you know where you're so you can look and see where you how far you are ahead of your competitors, etc.? Yes, if you have cell service. Which can actually be, I mean, absolutely mind boggling awful because you can be like, oh crap, I needed to sleep, but she's right there. You know? <laughs> I so it's, like the worst. it's the worst. I remember on another one I did the Arkansas High Country race where I kept I just kept checking. I kept checking. And at one point I saw um who was it was Bobby Wintle. He was coming. And I I had just laid down to sleep and I was like, hell no, I'm not gonna let him get me. And so I get up and just get moving, you know. I mean when you I tell you about the other things you, you you said earlier about you had three hours of quality sleep. I'm not sure I have the mental capacity within a race to <laughs> To be able to turn my brain off to get three hours quality sleep, as in, oh my God, every I could be on the bike, I could be, that must be quite a skill. Yeah, you know what? That is hard. Sometimes it's four hours of laying down because it takes me an hour to turn off my brain. But I know that four hours is, is the most I should be getting. In fact, it'd be better if I could get less than that. But, you know, if I'm really competitive, you know, like I want to be in the top 20. Um no, you're right. It, that's super hard. It's super hard. But because sometimes when you're so tired, you just. <laughs> I mean, it's quite. It's a bit like you know, everyone everyone gets a you know a good night's sleep. If you're going on holiday and you know you've got a five a.m. flight and you've got to be up at two or whatever, yeah. you cannot go to bed at eight p.m. and get your because so your brain's going through. And I'm thinking, you described so that, true. and I was halfway through a race. I suppose, especially. I mean. If you've got that little tracker that says your competitor or someone you're desperate to win is an hour behind and you think, ah, oh, shit, I've got, I mean, my brain would be going a thousand miles an hour. I would never sleep. You know, that's kind of the fun of these things too. And I like, I, it, it's anybody's race at the beginning of it, you know, like anybody could have a good time, a bad time, a, you know, you're feeling good, something bad can happen, mechanical, whatever. It's just anybody's race. And I, that's kind of, I think, another thing that I love about these ultras is just that we're all out there, like, competing you like, against ourselves and talking each other. <laughs> when you said um, you, you were, do you, I mean, if you come across, if you sort of ride up next to you, you come across another rider, etc. do you tend to buddy up on, let's ride together for a few miles, a few, or do you, do you like to stay focused on your own, your own race, or... Do you, do you kind of, you know, not help each other up a hill, but is there, is there a sense of camaraderie of, hey, I'm going to catch up the guy I see in front of me and we'll ride together for 10 miles? You know, well, you're not allowed, and most of them, actually, I, I, all that I know, if you're solo, you're not allowed to draft. Okay. So yeah. you couldn't use each other to get but I mean, to I mean, for like the camaraderie, can you cycle next to someone for, for the, a few miles? You know, a lot of people, a lot of people do. They like to kind of buddy up with people for a little while. Um, but even that, you shouldn't do it too long because the whole idea is to do it alone. So I know if, if like in Nelson's races, for example, Silk Road or, or Atlas Mountain, if he, if, if you can, if there's like two guys that are basically doing it the whole time with each other, they're kind of real, their dots are real close. Yeah. They'll be disqualified. You know, you're supposed to do it solo. However, 
you know, sometimes you're just the same, you're kind of the same pace as somebody and you, and you just kind of do, you know, where you're kind of one, he's ahead of me a little bit and then I'm ahead of him and, and we kind of flip on, we ride together a little bit. In fact, there was an Australian who, gosh, his name was Richard as well. We rode, I, I mean, it felt like a lot and it it wasn't, but I, Richard and I were kind of hip, you know, hopscotching quite a bit and we ate some meals together and I really liked him. And so it was good company at times. I, I like being alone. Um, I, I, I like being alone because it's my own pace and I can, you know, stop when I want to stop, do what I want to do. And I'm not holding anybody back or nobody's pushing me more. And, you know, so there is, there is that side of it for me. But, um, when you, when you're, um, when you're not racing and you have kind of the off season, as it were, do you, is it, is it sort of the lack of the competition? Are you, are you sort of constantly, are you now thinking, right, what's my schedule for next year? What, what are the events I'm going to get? You know, uh, is, is that sort of the person you are now? Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. So I took a, I took a good month off actually after Atlas. Uh, that was my off, that was my off, off time. Um, a, a month where I either didn't touch the bike at all for like a week or two, or I only rode very easy, unstructured, um, to give the mind and the body a break, which is really important if you want to compete at a high level. And even during that, I'm still thinking, thinking like, what do I want to do next year? Where, you know, what, can I find the funding to go to this race or that race? You know, and so I mean, right I, I, now I'm, I'm back. I'm back to training and I'm also sending out proposals and to sp sponsors or potential sponsors being like, hey, this is what I want to do. You know, this is where I'm going. Here's my goals. And yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and again, one with the races, you talk about other sort of um, female competitors, etc. Is that growing? Is it, I mean, cause I mean, I think it's, it's, it must be more, I, I, I'm sorry, it's going to come across hugely sexist. It must be more daunting to be a woman on their own riding through Morocco than, uh, I mean, I would find it incredibly disconcerting as a bloke on my own in a foreign country where I don't speak the language or whatever else. Um, is, it, is it growing the number of women taking part? I think it is a little bit. Um, there's just so many races out there now, you know, that there's so okay. many options that um, I heard someone say, oh, there used to be a ton of people, who, ton of women, like 50 women at the Tour Divide, and there was only 20 this year. Well, yeah, that's true, but also there's tons of races. There's so many options. So I do think it's growing for women a little bit in the sport, yes. Um, and it also, however, it is, um, and this is, I'm in the process of writing a blog for Atlas, and the theme is gonna, I think is gonna be centered around the fact that, and the reason why it's taken me so long to write it, is that it is, difficult to be a woman alone out there. Um, there are, it can be scary and things can happen. Um, I think it's something that we all keep in the back of our, all of us women, at least we have in the back of our head, even more so where our male competitors or compatriots or whatever you want to call them, they don't have to worry as much. Well, we do. Do you know what, if I, because I, I sort of told, told a few people I was going to interview, and it's quite interesting. So I was having a chat with a couple of uh, ladies I ride with, and, and it's, it's, it's really, um, so, so these, are, these are the questions. They said, so do you get frightened when you're out on the bike on these races? You know, not too much. Good. I just don't think about it. I think if I sat there and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I'm out here alone, some man could come and just take me, you know, or whatever. It's, I have to stay in that positive state. Correct. I don't think about it. Uh, terrific. Yeah. Again, it's a, it's a mental thing. So it's Total a mental, mental strength. Yeah. Um, do you get lonely was another question. No. No. I, I, I'm, and that's a, that is a, that I think is a, it's a personality, um, good and defect. <laughs> I don't mind being alone. I, I rather like being alone. Um, in fact, <laughs> I'm always like my husband, go, go on that week long rafting trip. I'm fine here by myself. 
I wasn't going to say, just before you volunteered for your first 10-hour race, had you just had a massive row with your husband? <laughs> I thought, right, God, you, I'm off. I think he has a love-hate relationship with my with with my cycling career. You know, I'm just I um I'm you know I'm like yeah, that's not the party fine. You know, I still love you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm a very independent girl. So no, to the answer your question, I don't I don't really get lonely. I think if I were out there and there was absolutely nobody for over a month and I didn't see another person. I think I would probably start to kind of get lonely, but then even, even then, I mean, I'm always talking to myself, you know, like I'm my own best friend type thing, which is jo- jo- kind I, of crazy. I, 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 t- I totally get it. I, I, yeah, this, there's a, there's a, an old thing that, you know, only boring people get bored. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I've never been, I, okay, I've got a dog, but actually I'm never lonely. I love company, whatever else, but I, I think if you're happy in your own skin, you kind of, yeah. maybe it's, maybe it's a bad trait that I do talk to myself as well. And, you know, and the dog. So, um, yeah. Um, are there, so here's another, here's another question. I think that's great. So here's another question I was asked. So, um, uh, where are we? Um, Oh, are there any luxuries, unnecessary luxuries you take with you or keepsakes? I mean, I know you, but you got you bike packers. I mean, nothing, nothing makes the cut unless it's kind of needed. But is there anything you like? I always, so I'm always wearing this Wonder Woman watch <laughs> every time, and that's a couple of reasons. Because when I was a little girl, I <laughs> insisted that everybody call me Wonder Woman <laughs> when I was like two, three, four. You know, um, even strangers. You know, uh, why the hell not? <laughs> I just I always looked up to strong females, I think. Um, so the Wonder Woman, and there's also a 2032 battery in that, so in case in case my shifter batteries go off, it's like I have one more, you know, because I lost that. Anyway, that's, that's, that's a great, that's story. a great call. So that's actually, I, I was going to ask you that <laughs> you actually say you're Wonder Woman, because it's kind of, it's kind of empowering and, and it's, and it's yeah. practical as well. It's very practical. Yeah. Um, there's that. I always carried this rock that says positivity because it's kind of just who I am. Um, and then I gotta say, I'm just, I'm just giggling because I'm sure you've analyzed every little... bit of your kit to about the oh, yeah. weight, oh, the weight whatever, and then you carry a rock. <laughs> and I carry a little rock. It, it's in the back pocket. And I always carry like a journal of some sort um, in any bikepacking race or trip. The other thing this is, and this is real funny is, um, you know, <laughs> I carry like, I'll carry stuff to take care of my skin, <laughs> sunscreen, and maybe some, some moisturizer, ladies, you know, because you got to take care of the buddy nature. <laughs> when, yeah, I, I got to say, when you, when, I know a lot of... when, when, you're, when you're lying by the side of a desert road in Morocco in the Atlas Mountains, hoping a stranger comes by and offers you a, a Snickers bar, you've got to look your best. Exactly. You got to take care of your skin. (laughs) So there's that. Um, Um, Those are probably the only things that I take that like probably most people, you know, I'm not going to take up the space. Oh, and floss picks and a toothbrush. (laughs) You know, I'm American. We're always worried about our teeth. (laughs) Quite quite right too, but we can't stand a slip even if you're, uh, you know. You've got to, you've got to, <laughs> hey, did you see those goats up the trees in Morocco? Oh, but, they're the best. Those argon, argon trees. I still, I still, with, with these huge, like, four-inch spikes and all these goats are climbing up on branches that look really oh, yeah. thin. And I can't, oh, I yeah. still can't work out how the hell they get up there or how they get down. It's the best. <laughs> Talk about a really cool agricultural process, too, because they use, the Moroccan people use everything from that argon tree you know for the oil the the goats make poop and the poop is the you know you can get the seed anyway it's super cool yeah so what's been is there any any, i you know we've got on to goat poop now i think this is this is one hell of a podcast i'm I'm not sure if they do grammys for this sort of thing but 
we are a shoe in. Um, so, in terms of the kit, so I mean, what what is what is your kit? I'm, this isn't just my way of getting back to how much you love the Ren Perseverance Bar, <laughs> and it's available exclusively in the UK via PodiumSports.uk. It's not just about that. You know, well, we can go in and talk about those bars because. <laughs> so it's funny. Like I, I ended up this summer riding my bike from home to steamboat springs it was like 600 miles and i wanted to do the steamboat gravel race but i couldn't get in in time so i was like oh, i'm gonna Sorry, ride up the anyway. way you said that so casually it's 600 miles <laughs> had a great time and i met this guy named cameron and he had on these cool bars that had the integrated arrow and i'm like oh my gosh that's what i need like I, that's what i want and he said, I've actually been trying, meaning to talk to you because we would love to get you these bars to try. And I'm like, done. So he sends me the bars and they make it like two weeks before I leave for Morocco. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, a lot of people wouldn't do something like this. I stick them on there and I go and I go to Phil's world, you know, my local mountain bike trails and I do some, and I'm like, these things, they rock. And he, and even though they're heavier than the carbon bar I had on there, they're lighter than the carbon bar plus aero bars that I had on there. I mean, it's effectively two bars and in one, isn't it? I mean, that, you know, for, totally. for the weight. Yeah. And, and, it's, and they're comfortable and they kind of, the way they kind of swooped back a little bit put me in more of an upright position, which when you're riding 20 hours a day, you know, aero is important, but you also need a lot of different positions and hand positions that you can go to. So I, I put those on, I wrapped the arrow bar in my favorite Ergon tape. And then I had the Ergon G, I think it's like GP3. So they have those like huge. I know them. Yeah. Kind of bar ends. Yep. Oh, the money. My hands have done great. Cause that's, that's an, that is an issue for a lot of ultra riders, the hands. And those, those bars really enabled me to I love them. I love them. I still have them on. You know, you know what? I'll tell you what's great. Ke I, I charge Kevin a dollar every time I get the bars mentioned anyway. So he's, this is this is just brilliant. But, uh, and, I, and I know Cameron, of course, because, you know, so I chat to, chat yeah, to Cameron. Yeah, he's such a nice guy. Like Cameron, a nice Cameron is guy. a terrific, terrific player. Again, he goes off on these bloody adventures with his wife or whatever else across Alaska. Yeah. And, you know, he says, oh, you must come and do something. Not in a million years, mate. I am not, you know, I don't, don't want to, I think I'd rather be hot than cold, but it's like, um, yeah. So, Ser seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've thought about the Iditarod and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know, man. Freezing to death. That kind of scares me. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what you're desperately trying to get your three hours sleep, et cetera. But, um, so, so you've got the bar. So what bike, what is your bike of, of choice? I mean, are pretty much all these events gravel? style bikes no so you know atlas was a mountain for sure i needed that front suspension um especially on that old colonial road those were like those big chunky mothers oh yeah God, it was, yeah it was crazy like, i would have wanted a full suspension um you know i honestly i started the tour divide and that ended up not going well for me this year and i kind of wonder if i should have had been on that mountain bike and that wasn't why it didn't go well. I ended up getting a septic eye infection, which was I had to go to urgent care. It was, it was awful. But anyway, like, um, it depends on, to answer your question, the bike depends on the course. Yeah. So um, across Andes is a gravel course, and I would definitely choose the trail donkey for that, my gravel bike. Um, trail donkey, what a great name, bar. by the way. Absolutely love it's it. It's such a great name. I know. I know. I love it. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. But the show pony, so this, I was actually for Atlas Mountain, I was on their prototype hardtail called the show pony. Um, Rodeo Adventure Labs is the company. Whoever's coming up with these names, and, by the way, as a marketeer, <laughs> I, I, I tip my cap to them. The show pony and the, and the donkey. Steven, I, grabbed, I mean, Steven brilliant. Fitzgerald, he's, he's, he is quite brilliant at that. Yeah. The pony, I, 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 both of them are great. Um, so yeah, it depends on the depends on the course. Now on the for the kit itself, it you know I can kind of use the same thing. Um, I don't always bring a sleeping bag on Atlas Mountain. I didn't. I didn't need it. It was not cold. It was cold some nights. It was surprisingly cold and rained. Um, but I don't always bring a sleeping bag. I also, depending on the length of the course, I don't always bring a sleeping pad. In fact, I didn't bring a sleeping pad on this one. 
I didn't bring a sleeping pad on the Arkansas High Country race, which is a thousand miles. I just lay on the ground. You know, it's like mm, those pine needles look good. You know, <laughs> it's just. Can, can we can we go back to my point of you are not selling this into me very well. So yes. you know, there's there's nowhere to get any food unless some stranger throws a Snicker bar at you. You know, your legs are burning. Dog, dogs are biting you. You're then roughly getting three hours of interrupted sleep on the ground. Straight I mean, on the ground. <laughs> straight, I mean, Jesus Christ, you are, you are really not selling this into me as a, as a sport. You know, it just, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, you know, it's only a short time for one thing. And, and I mean, it's not my, it's, it's, it's nice to kind of see how I can stretch, stretch it. How little can I go? I mean, I got that face cream in there, Richard, but I don't have a sleeping bag. I just, I just oh my God, the, the punch is back from, from sharp stones in the Moroccan desert, but it's okay because you've moisturized your T zone. I did. Exactly. Hey, I I'm up on these things. In. I'm in touch with my feminine side. Don't, don't, I, know. I know, I'm still a girl. And my lip gloss. Oh, that was the other thing I didn't, I always have lip gloss. Well, Still, well, girl, you got to look good to the self-respecting woman wouldn't carry lip gloss whilst doing, you Thank know, you. sleeping on the on the rocks. Thank you. You've got so, to. So in addition to this <laughs> this insanity, and and I, and I I've got to say, having recently you know passed a two year uh, sorry a two day uh, first aid mental health first aid course, I, I, you are right on the cusp of needing professional help. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> probably. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's bloody brilliant. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I, I I love I love these sort of stories of people who who do stuff that I can't I can't possibly imagine myself doing, and and it's just wonderful, Ashley. But hey, the other thing I really wanted to talk to you about was you do a lot of volunteer work as well. Tell me about the the ride of the ancients because I, I, oh. I read a little bit on that. So so do, yes. people, people listening to this, I have I have almost almost 12 people listening to my podcast so it's, it's pretty it's a pretty big deal this but well tell i'm me about sorry the ride. to say so ride of the ancients i started actually probably five or six years ago it was a road ride to begin because i wasn't riding that much and didn't know much about the cycling industry and just kind of got into it, it was like oh this is awesome and i did it to raise money for cancer care in the beginning because i was Wonderful. on a um on a board of directors called the southwest memorial board and we gave away $1,000 grants to cancer patients here in the Southwest area of Colorado because the money wouldn't go to their actual care, but it would go to the gas money that it takes to drive to the place where they could get care because we're very rural here. And that ended up um, shutting that down because they stopped doing the cancer care grants. And so then someone asked me, well, you know, I had a year, about two years off of riding. And they said, would you bring it back to raise money for local public lands? We have a lot of public land here and the public lands have got ancient Puebloan sites. Beautiful. Like it's a, you know, Mesa Verde, that kind of stuff. And I said, heck yeah, because I love these places. They're special. And so for the past two years, I've done Ride of the Ancients and I switched it to a gravel route because I love gravel. And it's, you know, it's kind of a hot thing right now. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to have to stop doing it because I'm not, I end up paying money to put this on. Um, it's growing, but I'm not making that much money, maybe $5,000, $6,000. Um, and it costs almost that much to put it on. Yeah. And I can't, what I, I've come across is that I can't I can't do get on another job for something called cycle kids which is a um, really kind of a cool program where they pay, they put kids on bikes through the school district so I have programs that I'm setting up in the southwest region specifically on the Navajo and Hopi reservations to get those kids on bikes um, through the school, which is super cool. Like we give them bikes and they get the curriculum. It's a PE class, um, fourth, fifth graders, just, just great. And so I realized, you know, I couldn't do cycle kids, be a professional cyclist, have a dog yeah. sitting business, do, you know, all the other little things that I do on the side, run a farm. If I can get photo shoots, it just, it, it's just too much. So something had to kids, go. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think the kids thing is wonderful. There's a there's a yeah. there's a chap here. I, I live near near a place called a uh, country called Wales. We're just on the border of England and Wales. And there's a guy here um, called called Mike Mike Jones, Mike Puffer Jones, and and I'll send you the link. Um, and he's got this for the last few years. He's a carer for his wife, and he's set up this this free bikes for kids scheme. And he basically takes in bikes from anywhere and donated bikes and mends them in a shed, and then gives them free to any kids oh. or anybody who's 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 perhaps um, you know yeah. um, a, 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 an immigrant who who needs to get to claim benefits yeah. or a job interview whatever and it gives it gives i love that i think he's i think he's done it's over two thousand bikes he's fixed and given away for free which is just and of course now local <laughs> local communities start giving and he gives you know he goes into schools and this, these um these, these schools have they'll go through the classroom and they'll sort of subtly work out which kids don't have a bike and then they'll the teacher will phone him and make sure the kids who don't have a bike have a bike and they all get the helmet as well and, and you know that's and so great it's setting yep, them on a that's... path forgive the pun a, a wonderful path about being no. independent being being healthy um it's ecologically yep. wonderful you know yep. it's it's not... every box and it's also just you know a lot of the times and kind of what we're coming across and what i think is important about cycle kids is that they're going for, you know, the kind of the poor communities, the communities that are needy. A lot of these kids, if they don't know how to ride a bike, let's say they get the opportunity to go to college in a bigger city. You know, a, a lot of places in big cities, it's going to bike shares these days where you don't have to use the bus or you don't have to have a taxi that you can do a bike share to get to class or to get to work. And I think it's in, it's it's becoming, cycling is becoming even more important in our world for everybody, it's, it's, you know, not just environmental, right. but it's, it's huge. Becoming, so to get these kids on bikes is awesome to me. It, it's becoming an enabler. I did. Um, I was very mm -hmm. lucky. I had a um, one of my other guests was Gary oh. Fisher. If you know Gary Fisher, the, oh, the guy yeah, who came up with oh. mountain biking. And, my first and I had a, mountain bike. Was it, well, do you know what? It was mine as well. Mine was a Gary Fisher, and I got to <laughs> chat to him and do a podcast. Gary Fisher, who could we could? I only used it to go to class, but that was. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know what? It's. It, do you know what? Mine. Mine was. What? Yeah. Mine was a wahoo. I love the fact that your dog's barking in the background at exactly the same time as my dog Gwen has started scratching on oh. the bloody door outside. And I was. I was just trying to click my fingernails to tell her to shut up. But um. Yeah, and that you know would be what? Maggie, yeah. my pointer. <laughs> Yeah, well, well my, mine's a, uh, an old golden retriever called Gwen, but um, Ga Gary really is a massive advocate, as you might imagine, for micro-mobility, and he was talking about his home in San Francisco, about how the use of bikes and scooters, etc., is helping people get around, and like you say, university campuses, or helping people get across town. It's, yeah. it's not just the eco thing, it's absolutely facilitating people getting around their cities in a, an efficient yeah. way and in, in, in a wonderful yeah. way. And it's, um, I think if we can start kids off on, as you, you rightly say, on the right path and enabler, as an enabler, get on your bike and you can, you know, mm -hmm. you can go. I, actually, do you know what? It's probably one of the few things where actually the practical use is actually incredibly fun, you know, and yeah. also a fitness yeah. benefit. <laughs> there aren't many things that... that yeah. I mean, mentally, it's so good for us too. You know, it's just, do you know, it's, a... I, it's it's as if I, I I haven't set you up for that. I'm also a director of a charity called Total MTB, and um, it's over in the UK. And I, I literally got an email today. There's someone in the US who's hoping to set up the US version of it, and and it's basically okay. just we raise money to for mental health charities. And the whole premise of it is literally um, to say to people get on a bike if you know it improves your mental health get out in the environment get out in the fresh air it doesn't matter this probably this will make no sense to you it doesn't matter how far you go or how fast you go <laughs> see these totally are alien concepts sense. to you <laughs> i've got to now i've got to tell people now that you don't have to go out for six days and pee behind a bush and, and live off omelets you know you can just go for a bike ride for an hour. <laughs> Don't I don't recommend it. You know the keto keto thing doesn't work <laughs> for when you're riding twenty hours a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be to be fair, Ash, not a lot of people ride twenty hours a day. If truth be told, but, I know, um... I know. 
Um, Ashley, do you know what? It has been just an absolute pleasure talking to you. I'm so. Do you, I mean, hopefully, you don't mind if I if I keep stalking you on Instagram and we stay in touch, etc. Because I, I, yeah. I'd love to sort of follow your progress. What's your next race? What's next on the agenda? Um, Twenty-four hours of Old Pueblo, and I'll do it solo, just as a training. Honestly, it's a good training, right? Just, just as a train. Nothing about that makes yeah. me want to take part in that. Really. Yeah, I mean, I, I would. So after that, I've had some good luck there, and I've had some bad luck there. Um, I've been on the podium a couple of times. I'd really love to win it one one of these days. And I mean, who knows? We'll see. So. Uh, just kind of do my best, and then after that, I'd like to do a an ITT, an independent time trial of the Arizona Trail, which is 800 miles. You get to like go, you get to like take your bike apart and go down the Grand Canyon and back up. Really? It sounds so cool to me. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. <laughs> when you say go so down do, the Grand Canyon, <laughs> like hike, I'll have to take my bike apart, put it on my back. Hike down. That's, that's hike back amazing. Up. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited. So I need to learn how to do all that. I've been kind of looking at the trail, and um, I, I don't think so. The the record, the official, I guess the Lael Wilcox has the record with an asterisk by her name because she had um, a film crew following her to make a video of it all. And um, she's like nine days, eight hours. And then the girl who did it truly unsupported ha is like 10 days and something. I don't know how long it'll take me. I, I mean, I'm going to try, but um, I'm not necessarily going for the record per se. I'm just going to for the experience. Arizona is a really cool state. Like, it's super cool. So when, so, when is that happening? When April. is that happening? April. April. I tell you what, can we can we have a chat? Can we have a chat after that? Because I would absolutely yes. love to hear about that. That would be absolutely fantastic. And kind of one of my goals is to self-document this. So I'm going to get a GoPro and and like, you know, I'm going to do it unsupported, but I want to self-document and get so that people can, you know, kind of see see as I go and see these beautiful places. And I don't know, it's kind of cool. <laughs> I've, I've got to I've got to say one of the the nice things in you know when you, on your Instagram page when when. You, I love the, the, the clip you had. You obviously had the camera or your phone on your, on your handlebar thing. And the, I've never seen such joy in a person's face to have some chips because <laughs> you found somewhere <laughs> that, that finally you could have some chips. It didn't have gluten or whatever it was. And, and then you said you'd pack three extra portions. And I, I've never, I've never, that face now, I've never seen someone so happy to get a portion of chips <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> you got to eat. But, but, but well, yeah, but but actually, I, I it's the little things, that. Richard. It's the little things. That's why I love these things, you know, because it makes you happy for just this like teeny tiny little thing. I, I loved, I loved, you know what? I loved it because it was, it was a wonderful, and this is the joy of some of the Instagram type. Thing. It was a little window into your, your life, and it was a little window into your experience. Um, that joy. <laughs> Um, Ashley, thank you so much. I'm going to put links. Thank Everybody you. listening to this, um, can you please check out the, the website? Follow Ashley on Instagram. I'm going to put all the links there. Um, it is quite, quite inspirational. Um, and I can just assure every single one of you, I will not be doing anything even closely resembling. <laughs> no. Nothing wrong with that. Me. No, no. no. It's not for everybody. <laughs> it is. It is not very. But, but I, I love the fact that your ninety percent of it is your your attitude and your mental strength. And I think what that should act as a um, sort of a goal for everybody else is it. You don't have to be. You know, you don't have to have the strength of guys. You're overtaking guys. You're beating guys in these races because you're a woman and you're strong and you're beautiful and you can do it. Yes. <laughs> what a poetic way to end. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, have a good one. Thanks. <laughs>everybody so thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed that hey listen to some of the other podcasts i'm just building this up slowly so the best thing you can do to help me is to uh, subscribe or press the notification button uh, and more importantly um, if you like the podcast hey share it send a link to somebody else and say listen to this buffoon chat for an hour that would be really really helpful hey ride more smile more and i'll see you next time